Morning, Calvary. We're going to continue our Advent series and looking at the prophet Isaiah, who hundreds of years before Christ's arrival predicted Jesus' coming, the kind of coming that he would have that we might authenticate that Jesus is the true and promised Messiah. Today's text is all about comfort. Who in your life is the greatest source of comfort for you? If you are a kid in the room, probably it's mom or dad, mom and dad together. I remember being a kid myself and whenever I'd be hurt, I would run to mom. When I was scared, I'd run to dad. Growing up, we would do these epic family vacations down the rivers of Colorado, the Green River, the Colorado River. We've been uh, down the Yampa. My dad was a guide for many years before meeting my mom. In fact, met my mom on the river as a guide. I'm sure that was like a done deal. My mom had flown out from Philadelphia. There was my dad all bronzed up from the summer sun. It was like, man, this is the guy for me. And they had five kids together. And we would travel down the river. We'd float down the river for like a week at a time, packing everything in there. And then just as a family, all my brothers, we thought we were Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, just playing all the time. But there were times when we got hurt on the river and we would run to mom for comfort. And there were times when we got scared on the river and we would run to dad for comfort. I remember one time we had set up shop for the evening, camp was there. Mom was probably preparing meals uh, with dad for the evening. And we were playing down on the bank of the Colorado River. And across the river, we saw this big, huge bear. And so we ran back up to dad and said, dad, there's a bear across the river. So he and mom came down and saw this bear and he was just kind of meandering back and forth, looking at us across the river. And you know, the sun is getting ready to go down and then we're gonna have nighttime. Then there's gonna be a bear across the river at nighttime, you know? And so I remember my mom saying, Craig, what are you gonna do? And he said, we'll be just fine. And he went down to the boat, grabbed his sidearm, put it on. And I was like, yeah. I hope that bear comes across the river now. I want to see some action. But who in your life is a source of comfort? Because comfort is more than just sympathies. Comfort is more than just someone who's in the problem with you. Like a source of comfort has to be someone who has some sort of strength and yet tenderness. They have to have strength to be able to help with a problem, resolve fear, resolve issues, pain, maybe transform this situation, but they, they can't be so strong or use their strength in such a way that it would cause you to be afraid to come to them. And so who in your life is really a source of comfort that has that tender strength? I'll tell you, the greatest source of comfort in my life is the Lord. It's just God himself. And in all the things that I've experienced in life, in all the hardships, God remains the greatest source of comfort. Now, I know there's people in the room who are like, man, of course you would say that. You're the guy up front. I mean, you're paid to say that. If you don't say that, they stop paying you and you can't be the guy up front. But I truly believe it because I know who God is. Paul calls him the God of all comfort who comforts us in our time of need so that we, by the comfort that we have received from the God of all comfort, might express it to others and comfort others with that same comfort that we receive from God. And so God isn't just the comfort at Christmas time. 
He is the God of all comfort who comforts his people. So if you, if you have your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 40. And Isaiah 40 is kind of this hinge in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet that has spoken against the people of God because of their evil, their wickedness, their perverted justice, and their, their relentless opposition towards God to repent and return to him. God sends prophets to tell them that the judgment is coming and judgment has come. And now they sit in captivity outside their homeland, experiencing pain, fear, sin, and death, and wondering, where is God? In the midst of God's judgment, they're crying out to him now. Where are you? Will you relent from this? The book of Lamentations is a book that the people of God lament. They cry out to God. And there's this, there's this refrain in the book of Lamentations that helps set up Isaiah 40. There's this refrain of, where is comfort in the midst of this situation? Lamentations, starting in verse one, or chapter one, verse two, says, she weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheek. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. Speaking of Israel. Verse nine, her downfall was appalling with none to comfort her. Verse 17, Zion stretches out her hands, but there is no one to comfort her. Verse 21, they heard how I was groaning with no one to comfort me. That's, that's the reality of Israel in captivity. And then Isaiah 40, God has the prophet Isaiah say this to the people of God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Like comfort them, bring comfort, bring words of comfort, news of comfort, the God of comfort, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Maybe even a better way to say this is keep saying comfort to my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Now, what is the comfort of God? Like, what does it mean to be comforted by God when you're in the middle of captivity, experiencing fear, sin, death, the consequences of your actions and wondering if God has left you there to die? Well, what does God's comfort bring? There are three things right here in this second verse that we have to see. Three things that God is going to comfort his people with. It says, number one, that her warfare is ended. You could circle that. Their, their captivity is over. The warfare that God promised would come if they would not return to him is now ended. The warfare is over. Captivity is over. That her iniquity is pardoned. That means her sin is forgiven. That the offenses that brought him into captivity will now be erased. Number three, <coughs> she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. <coughs> that speaks of I'm dealing with a man cold, tis the season. <clears throat> so three things <clears throat> that the Lord's comfort brings, freedom from captivity, the forgiveness of sins, and the reward of grace. Those are three things. When God comforts his people, he says, I'm gonna bring you out of captivity. I'm gonna forgive the sins that brought you in there. And then I will reward you. I'll bring you to a place of promise. That's what God's comfort does 
for us as well. Comfort, comfort my people. That no matter what estate they're in, where you live today, God can draw you out of that, forgive you for what brought you there in the first place and receive even a double portion of grace. Now, how is he able to do that? Like, where does that come from? Why do we have any confidence that God can accomplish that for us? Well, that's Isaiah 40. And so verse three says, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What's the confidence that we've been comforted by God? Is that he's coming to us. Our comfort is rooted in his coming. You see that? That I will, I will come in the middle of the wilderness through the desert to you. The comfort is that, hey, if you figure out your life, and you can make it back to me, I'll give you comfort. No, the comfort that God provides is level the mountains, fill the plains, straighten the road, make a highway so that your God will come to you in the middle of the wilderness, through the desert, to your place of captivity to bring you comfort. These are the words of John the Baptist, are they not? He picks them up from here from Isaiah 40 prepare the way for the Lord, that we are to prepare our lives. Like if there are hills and mountains, obstacles that we keep God away, we say, no, let's just level that. If there are valleys that keep God from coming to us, hurdles, we wanna fill that. Lord, we wanna make straight the way for you to come through the desert place to meet me in my captivity, my wilderness to comfort me. So the first the reason we have confidence is that our comfort from God to release us from captivity, to forgiveness of, forgive us of our sins and to bring us reward is that he comes to us. He comes to us. Our comfort is in his coming. Then in verse six, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. Like they're like this grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. What is our confidence that God can bring comfort through the wilderness is that he has promised to do it. See, our comfort is not in people, but in God's promises. How many times has someone promised to bring comfort into your life only to let you down? A lot of people have let me down in my life. I was talking to a buddy this week, thinking about people who have promised certain things to him, only to ghost him later. Say, like, what, what, what happened? We're, we're all, we're, that was all talk. That was cheap talk. And that's what the prophet Isaiah is saying, is your comforts in other nations, in other securities, in other people. I mean, people are like grass. You're like grass. You can't even depend on yourself sometimes. And so what's the confidence that God would comfort us? Is that his, his comfort comes in promises, in his word. And his word, what does it say? The word of God will stand forever. There are two things in this room that are eternal. You and this. That's it. You and this. And so this book, these words of God, if God said he will do it, 
He is faithful to do it. He will never compromise on his word. And so his comfort to remove us from captivity, to forgive us of our sins, to bring a place of blessing is rooted in his coming to us and in his promises to us. It's not even myself or other people. This third one is, is so good. It's in his leadership. Verse nine, go up on the mountain of Zion and herald of good news, like proclaim good news for all people. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, your God, not just a God, but your God, the God that's for you, your God. Behold, the Lamb, sorry, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arms rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. That's a synonym for rewards. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The other confidence that we have that the Lord will be our comfort. Because remember, the source of comfort is not just simply sympathies. It's tender strength. When the Bible speaks of, of God, it often speaks of God being a shepherd, which is why God selects shepherds to lead his people. Moses was a shepherd. Abraham was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. This was a picture for Israel to see who their God is, that he would be a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Protects the sheep, provides for the sheep, cares for the sheep, heals the wounds of the sheep. All these things in our own life. Like, where do you go for protection? Where do you go for your securities? Where are you going for your provisions? Where are you going for your healing? Maybe you have outsourced all the roles of God and you go to everywhere else but God. And God says, no, I, I am your shepherd. Now, the, the promise of a shepherd is a rich promise in the Old Testament because the prophets to Israel often prophesied against the leadership of Israel, the shepherds over Israel because they were terrible shepherds that didn't protect the sheep. They plundered the sheep. They didn't care for the sheep. They scattered the sheep. Ezekiel is a prophet that speaks directly against the shepherds of Israel. And then God promises that he himself will come to shepherd his people. This is Ezekiel chapter 34, starting in the second part of verse five. My sheep were scattered under your leadership, Israel. They wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Like this, this leadership over the people of Israel not only oppressed the people, but then scattered them and didn't care to go search them out. Verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is coming, his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I, I myself am coming right? Comfort, comfort my people. I will shepherd my people. I will come for them. Look at verse 31. And you are my sheep, human sheep. 
of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. And so Israel in their mind, in the midst of their distress is this word of comfort, comfort that God is going to come to them, that God is going to come to them in a way in which brings his promises. God's gonna come to them with his promises as a shepherd would come to gather his lost sheep and then with strength and tenderness, carry them home. So then you get to the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter two, the Magi, the nations are inquiring of where is this newborn king? What city is he born in? And they come to the teachers of Israel. And the teachers of Israel open up their Old Testament. They go to Micah chapter five, verse two, and they read this. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will what? Shepherd my people. Israel. So what is Jesus? Jesus is the promised shepherd. It continues to build out his identity as we've looked. He's the promised light of the world. He's the king of kings in the line of David. He's the promised shepherd who brings comfort to his people, who will gather them from captivity, who will mend their wounds and bring them home. And what we see in Jesus' ministry is Jesus ministers as a shepherd, often seeing crowds of people. And the, and the evaluation is they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so then Jesus shepherds them and cares for them and teaches them and feeds them. Ultimately, Jesus reveals himself as the true shepherd. This is John chapter 10. In verse 14, Jesus explicitly says, I am the good shepherd. The one the prophets spoke about, the one you are longing for, that's me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, meaning that he desires to gather people outside the family of Israel. The whole world, you and me would be gathered. I have more sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there'll be one flock and one shepherd. There'll be one people of God and one shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the good shepherd who gathers his sheep from captivity, who forgives their sins as he promised, who cares for his people like the good shepherd said he would. That's Jesus. So when he says, comfort, comfort my people, how will he comfort us? What comfort does he bring in Isaiah and what comfort ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus Christ? That our comfort is in his coming. Jesus Christ came, God came. He sent his son to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. His comfort wasn't you find me. His comfort was I'm coming for you. His comfort was rooted in his promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. In this world, you will have trials and troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. His comfort is in the fact that he is our shepherd who lays his life down for us. That's why he's the good shepherd. He lays his life down for his sheep that he might take it up again. 
And so all of these comforting promises to Israel are fulfilled in Jesus Christ for all who would believe in Jesus, that I have come to you in your captivity of sin and death. I have forgiven all of your iniquities of sin, offenses against me, that you'd be right with me. And behold, I bring you to a place of promise. That's Jesus's, that's Jesus's words to us who believe. There's a great Christian author and theologian by the name of J.I. Packard, and he writes this book called Knowing God. And after about halfway through the book, you're, you're twisted back to saying, hey, it, it's so good that you would know God. It's wonderful. But maybe what's even more wonderful is that he knows you. And the only way to know God is if he first reveals himself to you, that he knows who you are, that he knows where you are. He knows everything about you. And he desires to comfort you. This is what Packard says. He says, I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. And there is no moment when his eyes is off me or his attentions distracted from me. And no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. There is unspeakable comfort, the sort of comfort that energizes, be it said, not enervates or exhausts you, in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for a good, for my good, there is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic based on every point of prior knowledge of the worst about me. You get what he's saying? I love that God's, his love for me is in his understanding of knowing me completely. There's nothing I'm gonna do that's gonna then pop up into his head and disappoint him. It's realistic. He knows the worst about me so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me. In the same way, I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. That's the God that knows you, that says, comfort my people. Keep telling them comfort is found in God alone. That's the God that I know. I asked you, who is the most comforting presence in your life? Those who are young in the room might say mom and dad. Others might say a friend. Maybe we would say our spouse. Maybe we'd say a grandparent. I hope the answer for all of us is the living God, the good shepherd, our Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the one who does for me what no one else can do, who's not like the grass or the flower that quickly fades, but his promises are true and eternal and that he will never leave me or forsake me, but he is faithful to come to me, to draw me out of my sin and bring me to a place of promise. That is the God of our comfort. And it's just a marvelous thing to think about. That's the way that God loves you He's a God that's for you, who sees you and knows you completely 
so that he cannot be disappointed in the new behaviors or the new actions tomorrow that so often discourage us. That he is really, truly the good shepherd worthy of all of our worship. I'm gonna have the, the worship team come back up here. And we just wanna sing out one more song that it would be our worship of Jesus, that he is the one that has come as the good shepherd at Christmas. That you see us in captivity, that we've been held captive by sin and death, decisions that we've made that have enslaved us to habits. And Father, I thank you that you are so rich in love towards us that you would send your son, Jesus, to bring freedom and forgiveness, to bring blessing in life. And so Father, may the people of God trust in you first and foremost. May you truly be the prime source of all of our comfort. We praise the name of Jesus and the love that we have received from him. In his name we pray, amen.